Okay, well, good evening friends. Nice to see you. Nice to be back here again at Gaia House. And that kind of, uh, well, for many of you, as well as me, the, the, the familiarity of the kind of womb-like container of Gaia House arriving here. Mm. For me, seeing you know, many of you that I've known for uh, uh, some years here and elsewhere, uh, and for you, maybe some of you who are kind of regulars here, uh, maybe the sense of familiarity with others who you may know, with the place itself. And there's something that, I think there's some kind of cellular memory that we accumulate through being on retreat and coming back into an environment where we've known ourselves in maybe a more attuned way, a more sensitive way, uh, a more interiorized way than in some of the activities of our lives elsewhere. It's like we sense in oh, something of that invitation, the invitation to be close to ourselves, to be close to life. So, as I said, if you're uh, if you're used to being here, and there's that returning to that sense of invitation, then wonderful. And if, uh, of course, for some of you just arriving at Guy House for the first time, and maybe somewhat engaging with the unfamiliarity of the place, of your sense of what these five days might hold and uh, whether or not they'll meet your expectations. Of course, there's... I was going to say there's no guarantees there, but there probably is a guarantee. And the, the guarantee that they won't meet whatever uh, expectations that even if we, whether we've been here or not before, even if we have the intention to not have any expectations, right? how easily there's some sense of what this activity called meditation practice will yield to us, what this being in silence together might be like. It's one of the ways we kind of get in our own way with life, is we get so busy anticipating what it's going to be like, replaying, recycling what it has been like, in such a way that we live in the kind of a strange, distorted conceit. The conceit of thinking, I know what this is, this experience, called being a human. Or, I know what this is, this life, and the way it unfolds around us. And of course, that's very much the territory of our exploration this week. So we kind of we have this invitation, as I say, to start from the willingness to not know. You don't need to know anything. And that also might be reassuring if you're um, if you're coming to Gaia House for the first time, but also if you're maybe coming to this kind of practice at least in the sort of intensive form of a residential retreat, 
if you're coming to that for the first time then I want you to hear that bit there's nothing you need to know oh there's no getting it right or wrong and sometimes of course that's a good reminder for those of us who live in that other strange conceit of being experts at meditation there's nothing we need to know in fact there's everything that we need to not know to put aside our accumulated um, ideas so as to be willing to find out what this is what this is if we review a little the, the subject matter of the retreat you know we, we, when Guy House contacts me to put the program together uh, it's, we usually do that at least a year in advance so it was quite a long time ago that I came up with the title and description for the retreat. And somehow, having done it, I, I forgot what the title was, and I, re- I slightly misremembered it. And a few months ago, I had this uh, alarming thought, because the way I remembered it was as the mechanics of freedom, which is slightly different. If you don't remember it, it's called, it, the retreat's called the dynamics of freedom. I thought, the mechanics of freedom, that sounds a bit clunky. <laughs> So when the program came out, I was rather relieved <laughs> to see that it wasn't quite that. The dynamics of freedom. The, 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 the particular nuances, in other words, of life's freeness. Life unfolds extraordinarily freely. We tend to take ownership and responsibility, and sometimes in a very burdensome way, as if I'm making this happen. It's life. And of course we can can find various anecdotal evidence that seems to support that. And I can say, well, look, you know, I got up this morning and I, I, you know, packed and I got myself here. And when, we, when so much of our consciousness is taken up with me thoughts, right, then it seems like I, am, I do make this life happen. I got up and I got dressed and I had a shower and I did this and I, did that and I got myself here. Right? Clever me. And in fact, it all easily it all seems to be about me. We fill our lives up with me thoughts. What I think, what I want, who I am. And then all the ways in which we make that right or wrong and how, I, uh, and how I'd like things to be different, uh, better, etc., etc. Of course, there's room for that as we m- kind of go through the trajectory of our personal life. And yet, as all of us know, the tendency, inner tendency to fixate on all those me thoughts and the way our society and culture kind of reinforces that tendency the tendency to self-obsession right? just in a very normal way just the self-obsession that everybody does the tendency for that to be so primary in our lives that it, it takes up all the space of consciousness 
And I say we all know that because, of course, that's why you're here. You're here because you know that that's not all there is to consciousness. If you thought that all there is to consciousness is, is me and what I want and what I think and what I'm doing, you'd be busy out there trying to improve those me thoughts, trying to get better, trying to think things better, trying to make things better, etc., etc. Trying to improve and to polish the self, if you like. And of course, it's, it's certainly possible that you've come here as a way to polish the self. It's possible that you've come here to try and improve yourself. Sometimes it seems like that, right? That this kind of practice is a self-improvement project. I'm just hesitating because I'm, some of you might be ready to flee now. And, you know, I, I think mostly what we need to do for ourselves while we're here is take care of ourselves. And often we're not very good at really taking good care of ourselves. So I think in some ways it's helpful to see yourself as some kind of, some family member that you have a lot of affection and patience for. A nephew or niece, maybe. Or uh, someone, someone in your life who you feel very caring towards, who is someone who is very tolerant of their uh, of their childish, uh, reactive, petty ways, and accompany yourself in that way. Let yourself come along to meditation. But just to, to provide that kind of reassuring there, there. That's a, good, that's a good way to bring ourselves to meditation. There, there, it's okay. You can quieten down. You can rest there. So that meditation can happen. So a way of being with ourselves here on retreat, which is really the invitation to leave yourself alone. Let yourself be. Let yourself rest. As much as you're able. And then at other times, it's like letting yourself have those little freak outs of doubt and or pettiness or uh, uh, grandiosity or whatever it might be, but not taking them too seriously. Not taking them too personally. So that there's room in our practice for something else. So that there's actually room for the way life is. Room for life's freeness of unfolding. Room for life's vastness. For life's transparency, its fluidity, its naturalness, 
so that there's room for us to actually meet in our experience the way our life is unfolding freely. Room to meet the way our life, our consciousness, our experience is fluid and free, receptive, open, transparent. The way it yields understanding and intimacy, depth and wonder and love. And during the days that we have together, I'll be evoking some of these different qualities, some of these nuances of life's freeness, we might say. Some of these nuances or uh, expressions of the nature of reality. And we'll be using these evocations, these uh, ways of noticing the way life is, as really as the guides for our practice. And we'll do that, I'll introduce them in uh, kind of sequentially over the days. So that might be those of you who are used to inside meditation practice, used to um, Vipassana practice or mindfulness practice or however you situate that used to Buddhist practice in any form Um, some of this might not be initially very familiar but I'm not making it up I mean in a way we're always making it up but on the one hand, I'm drawing from the fact that this is how life is. Not as a way to try and tell you that, but as a way in evoking these qualities as a way for us to actually explore together. To, to, to find out how life is. And on the other hand, they come quite directly actually from the teachings of the Buddha. And while a lot of uh, the ways we, ha- we often explore those teachings look at the stuff of self and the mechanisms of self as a way to, to see through those mechanisms, as a way to see through the way the, the, what I was calling those me-thoughts fill up consciousness. There's also the place where the Buddha speaks uh, uh, about not uh, the stuff and the mechanisms of self, which we can easily actually take to further increase the obsession with me thoughts. My practice as a self-improvement project. And so we're looking, as I said, some of these nuances where the Buddha points to the way life is. And in evoking those qualities, in feeling for those qualities, not in an abstract way, but feeling for the way 
life's fluidity, for example, is playing out here in my immediate experience. Feeling for the way that that consciousness is edgeless, vast, transparent. So as to make a very direct, immediate um, contact with life's freeness. And of course, in doing that, in emphasizing those qualities, of course, that puts into sometimes into rather sharp relief the unfreeness of our habitual um, thinking patterns, our habitual habits and reactions. Feeling for life's freeness tends to, partly to reveal life's freeness, but also to reveal the, the, um, well, the obsessions, with all the ways where I fill up consciousness with uh, that stuff of what I want and what I think and who I take myself to be. first quality that we'll explore of the way life is is its immediacy life is right here right now it's kind of almost a hackneyed expression right, within spiritual circles To be here now. And yet, when we acknowledge life's immediacy, it's here and nowness, when we really acknowledge it, when we feel for it, we tend to find all the ways in which I create. A, an, an extra, a complexity and a seeming solidity of other places and other moments. And you'll definitely see over these days all, all the creation of those other situations, other moments. When one's, when one's legs are uncomfortable in meditation, when one's bored or sad or confused, and then, oh, if only I was in such and such a place. Or if only something or other. If only it was lunchtime. If only the bell would ring. If only that guy up the front would stop going on and on and on. The tyranny of if only. Right? That puts us into some idealised non-immediacy. Some idealised other moment, other scenario. 
and makes this moment look somehow lacking in contrast. And yet, life's immediacy is all we ever have, all we ever have had. I try to be anywhere other than here. And that's not just some kind of a nice idea. It's actually an instruction. I mean, really. Just right now, try to be anywhere other than here. Try to have an experience of any moment other than now. When we evoke that, we start to feel maybe, oh, the vitality of life's immediacy. The invitation of life's immediacy. Fact that oh here here I am here now when I start to realize that this is all I've got this is all I've ever had and it's uh, it's constantly available in fact it's the only thing that's available and it's always available oh then we start to get more interested in it and it starts to look rather unsatisfactory to keep. Um, drifting off into some dream of elsewhere. We might start to get rather interested in what's actually happening here and now. What is life's immediacy revealing to you? Just letting yourself start to attune to the physicality of life's immediacy. Just the sensations of sitting here. The sounds around you. Your current state. interest that you're listening with or the tiredness uh, at the end of the day whatever response you might be having to what's being said or to your mm, the comfort of sitting here or the temperature or whatever when we acknowledge life's immediacy the here and nowness, and then it's like, oh, there's, there's things tend to feel as if they slow down a little, because here doesn't have any edges to it. Now doesn't have a beginning and an end. When we first start to uh, have a sense of being here and now. It's like now, 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 now. As if there's a million little nows, one after the other. As if now is a very short moment. I'm trying to catch up with it. Or I've got to be present. Sorry. But you you never have to catch up to being here and now. 
We've never been anywhere else. So when we let ourselves actually come into contact with life's immediacy, we start to have the, have the time and space to sense what's happening. To feel oh, your body sitting here. To be interested in what this experience is. Like we were saying, when we evoke some aspect of life's freeness, of the way life is, that tends to bring into sharp relief the way we habitually kind of turn away from that. So to pay to pay attention to life's immediacy tends to reveal sometimes rather starkly my habitual um, compulsive obsessional endless fabricating of stuff to take me away so with with all these different uh, ways of looking at the way life is it requires some uh, some steadiness and some patience, some gentleness with ourselves, and a kind of just a, a, a coming back into alignment with that quality, coming back into alignment with the immediacy of things. It doesn't mean that we should start to experience something called immediacy. As we'll see, just to evoke the here and nowness of things will show us. How we how we seem to move away from that. Or to put that better, will show us how our um, fascination with me thoughts creates a sense of being elsewhere or creates a sense of the possibility of elsewhere. That I, can, that I then tend to go to and think about and fill out with, with memory and hope and uh, expectation, etc. Until it assumes such proportions in my consciousness that the immediacy of life is almost completely forgotten about. So... Life's immediacy is really foundational to exploring the dynamics of freedom. Foundational in as much as, you know, it's like giving ourselves the opportunity to settle a bit. And 
in in focusing on in calling it like this in call in speaking about evoking life's immediacy rather than speaking about the individual responsibility to be present right i should be present i should be here i should be now i should uh, stop having those kind of thoughts and i should just focus on my meditation and my meditation should reveal something about immediacy to me well that's a lot of responsibility right that, that feeds into the, the self-improvement project. I've got to do it all. Maybe you don't have to do so much. Maybe it's not your responsibility to create the experience of life's immediacy. Maybe it would be a peculiar arrogance to even assume that I could create the experience of life's immediacy. I'm very good at creating the opposite experience. I'm very good at creating a whole sense of life being here and there and all over the place. So maybe I don't have to do it. Maybe, like I was saying earlier, I can oh, take rest, leave myself alone, let myself be in such a way that I can allow life's immediacy just to assert itself, to reveal itself. I can let the here and nowness of life be the ground of this practice. Be the holding container for everything that arises. So let's let's do a little meditation practice together to evoke and orientate towards life's immediacy. And I know you've been sitting for a little while already, so if you would need to take a moment or two just to stretch or stand up before we sit, then please feel free. beginning by really letting yourself be here. Without trying to do anything particular. Without trying to fit yourself into an experience called meditation. Just sensing the way you're already right here.
taking the opportunity to just feel the hereness of your experience. Feel your body sitting here. The weight of your posture on the chair or the floor. sit here in a way that's supportive to attuning to life's immediacy letting your posture be bright and upright letting yourself sit in a way that's relaxed where your belly can be soft and your hands at rest in your lap or on your knees letting the muscles in your face soften Life's immediacy contains all our experience. All experience arises right here. Each thought, each sound, each sensation is actually the confirmation that we're right here. After all, you can't have an experience doesn't arise here now like this so there's no experience you need to push away or try to stop happening nor anything particular you need to make happen Just letting what does happen reveal its immediacy. These sensations, these sounds, this breathing. These flickering thoughts.
And if the very here and nowness of all experience, of all that's happening, seemed too intangible, then we use something more recognizable as a way to ground our attention in the here and now. We use this experience of breathing. Don't worry about the image or the thought of breathing. But let your attention just drop down into the sensations. The way the breath feels in your body. That expansion in your belly, in your chest as the in-breath happens. And that relaxation that happens with the out-breath. If you find that either in subtle or gross ways your attention keeps getting caught up in ideas of elsewhere of things being other than they are that's okay that's normal that's what mind does mind fabricates just let it do its fabricating thing just leave it alone 
Just keep reorientating your attention back to the immediacy of sitting here, breathing, while thoughts and sounds and sensations just do their own thing, unfolding within the immediacy of experience. the simple visceral experience of breath to ground your attention here and now. Mind fabricates the illusion of elsewhere but body reveals the way life is. So let your attention really suffuse your bodily experience.
find your attention's been pulled away. You don't have to bring it back anywhere. In the moment of noticing, in the moment of seeing that mechanism of self, that investment in the illusion of elsewhere, you find yourself right here. In the midst of life, just unhook your attention from the thought. Just let it go on its way. Just letting yourself re establish your attention. here in your body here in this experience of breath right here right now like this.
everything happens by itself. <coughs> Sensations and sounds and thoughts. All of experience is quite naturally, effortlessly held in life's immediacy. as the formality of meditation ends just see if you can continue in an informal way just feeling for and allowing life's immediacy letting your experience be held in its natural immediate (coughs) unfolding just emphasize the hereness of things as we practice through the day tomorrow and there'll be plenty of opportunity for some dialogue and exploration as we go along so if there are if there are ways I've, I ex- spoke about the meditation then or things I've said that seem uh, unclear or just plain wrong to you right now there'll be some opportunity for that and in fact partly to support the exploration and dialogue together I asked, I asked Gaia House if we could have some microphones for this retreat which was like um, became a big deal like microphones in the meditation hall apparently only the teachers allowed to use a microphone but uh, so they kindly hired us a couple of mics and we'll, we'll see how that goes tomorrow and uh, the way it's been set up it might end up being a little well I'm not sure how it's going to work basically but my sense is you know I know that it, there's something very rich not only about the, the kind of Exploring in the silence of meditation the way life is, but actually, often a lot of the richness and insight about that can come out in dialogue. And if if that's being spoken about between me and somebody at the front of the hall, for example, often the people at the back just don't hear what's going on. So, um, yeah, that's partly just to. Um, set that up that there'll be plenty of opportunity for dialogue and maybe partly to forewarn you that we might have a few technical glitches in, uh, in making it work um, 
Um, so that's that's most of what I want to say tonight. I'm aware that probably many of you are tired and have come a long way to get here. I guess involving replacement bus services and things for the washed away railway tracks. And so just a couple of things about tomorrow. And you know, the first is that um, I think it's very helpful when you arrive on retreat. You know, the thing I was saying earlier about just letting yourself be and letting yourself rest. Actually letting yourself really take the time to actually slow down into uh, a rhythm of being here so that you can really move at a pace that best supports you in being intimate with your experience. And often we arrive on retreat with a kind of a, a certain sort of accumulated momentum of the busyness of our lives and a certain accumulated fatigue that goes along with that. So generally I'll be giving you warm encouragement to bounce out of bed brightly and early in the morning for us to sit together. And there's something kind of particular and exquisite about the early morning hours and the kind of silence of the, of the day the pre-day but for tomorrow I'd like to give you uh, just as warm encouragement to rest if you need to in the early morning breakfast is anyway at 7.30 and for some of you that might be more than early enough so we'll meet together tomorrow even though it says it says about awaking and exercise in the morning and meditation That'll be mostly in a formal way together. That'll be for the days after. Right? So the meditation hall is always open. And if you wake early and you want to sit before breakfast, of course, you're more than welcome. But we won't have a kind of formal uh, part of sitting together and teachings and meditation instruction, etc. until after breakfast. So I would suggest that you don't put an alarm on for any time before breakfast. And let's not have... Who's, the, who's ringing the early morning bell tomorrow? Please don't. <laughs> so, um, like I say, if you wake before breakfast and you have time to come and sit, wonderful. And, you know, sometimes... I, I, I know for myself when I was doing, uh, particularly early in my practice, I was a bit of a gung-ho meditator. So... Uh, I felt like I wasn't doing it properly unless I got up at some unearthly, you know, extra early. And, uh, you know, that was mostly in Asian monasteries where the wake-up bell is anyway, like sometimes 4 a.m. if it's uh, on a light schedule or 3 a.m. if it's on boot camp schedule. So for for some of us, it's it's just as much a practice actually to let yourself rest uh, a little. And as I say, if you wake up naturally before that and you want to come and sit, great. And just through the, the evening, you know, as you settle, as you uh, you're welcome to sit in here a little longer if you have some more energy, or as you make yourself the kind of customary evening hot drink before you go to bed, just to see if you can support that sense of just slowing down a little. 
It doesn't mean you necessarily move much slower, but just internally that you kind of let the whirring of your mind slow down a little. And that you let yourself abide in a kind of intimacy of contact with your, with your experience. And that you let yourself kind of feel your way into this practice of immediacy. Just allowing for, the, for that sense of the preciousness of this moment, this gesture, this movement, this standing in the hot drink queue, this smelling and tasting the hot drink, etc., etc. So that the, this quality of life's here and nowness can start not just to be felt moment by moment, but that you can actually let it hold you. You can let it hold your practice. You can let yourself rest into the immediacy of things, the freeness of life's abiding. So I just want to check before we finish together is there anything that you feel like you need to know before we meet tomorrow morning that isn't clear great so I'm sure peaceful evening as you hang out with yourself and if it's not already clear the silence has already begun so just really having that the kindness to each other not only to leave yourself alone in the quietness of your experience but really the gift that you give each other by leaving each other alone there'll be some time for uh where we'll have a little some interaction and dialogue together but and especially for those of you whose silence might be something new and sometimes it can feel like something a little awkward in its unfamiliarity actually silence when we get over the awkwardness is something that itself is an extraordinary invitation for us to be held in so just seeing if you can rest into the silence rather like you would into a, a warm bath. Oh. Okay, friends. Sleep well. Uh, sit or don't as fits you in the early morning. And then there'll be breakfast and the work period. And we'll meet at... 9.30 for our morning practice together. Good night. Bonne nuit. Sleep well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.